Christmas. So good to see you. For those of you who um, I don't recognise, I'm Jenny, I'm the curate here, and it's really lovely uh, to welcome you. Um, I shared at St Thomas's this morning, and it was too good not to share with you, so I think um, I will do. And that is, that, of course, on Thursday it was St Valentine's Day, so a bit of personal news for you all. And yesterday I had uh, the great joy and privilege of marrying a man called Matt. Um, <laughs> to a lady called Fiona. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it was a really joyful occasion. It was the first wedding that I conducted in this parish. So um, I really enjoyed it. And I think possibly not quite as much as they did, but, um, <laughs> but it was still very special. So we uh, are on this season, and um, I've got a confession to make, well, admission really. That is that I've um, got no notes, so we're going to preach without uh, notes. So if you notice me floundering, just pray, Holy Spirit, would you go and help her for our sake? And, And I'm sure we'll all get through somehow or other. The passages are amazing. We're not going to do either of them justice, but we're just going to pick out a bit from both of the passages. Possibly, I don't know. But we're on this series where we're looking at being intentional disciples, as um, Martin was saying earlier. And we're following the cyclical pattern of exploring how we can be intentional in, in abiding and bearing fruit and in is pruning day. And when I mentioned that to someone earlier, they did physically wince at the idea. So um, be afraid. I think that's fair to say. And I just wanted to ask, how, like Martin asked, how you're getting on with this journey. It's one when I said right at the beginning that we're going to need each other to cheer each other on and help each other and encourage each other to become more intentional and to help each other. And some of us will be finding some areas of intentionality really easy and life-giving and other areas um, quite challenging And so it's good to share those things, to be vulnerable and saying, look, I'm finding great life here, but I'm really struggling here because we can then help one another to grow together. So I do encourage you in Life Hubs to do that or maybe um, get a piece of paper or a book where you think about your pattern of abiding. What is your rhythm of abiding week by week, day by day? Because you're already abiding lots. So notice what you're already doing to encourage yourselves. We're not starting from scratch. And then notice your rhythm of bearing fruit week by week. You know, you make a point of smiling to the bus driver. Uh, so there's bearing fruit of joy. You know, it doesn't have to be um, wildly magnificent to start with. So just note what you're already doing. And then, of course, where you're inviting God to prune. And as you develop this and write this down, you're developing your own rhythm of life. And you can ask God to then speak into that and shape it some more so that the whole shape of this rhythm will become more intentional and you will grow. So I encourage you to do that, to be intentional in your reflection of, oh, you know know what I mean. So just do give that a whirl. So today uh, is pruning. And I don't know uh, what this says about my personality, but 
I quite enjoy gardening, and I particularly enjoy pruning in my garden. And it's because I think it's very satisfying in the short term, in that you see immediate change when you prune a shrub or a tree. But it's also really satisfying in the long term, because I know that if I prune this rose or this flower and currant or this apple tree really well at the right time, I'm going to see greater blossom and then I'm going to see greater fruitfulness. And so it's quite motivating for the long term. If you came to look at my garden, you would think, uh, Jenny, there's very little evidence of you actually bothering to do any pruning, except for the apple tree, which Martin kindly did for me. Thank you, Martin. (laughs) But you'll notice that some shrubs have been shown attention and others have yet to be shown some attention. Some have, uh, I have bestowed my favour upon, as it were. I have given them attention. I have looked at every little branch and um, bud and I thought, well, we'll we'll prune there and there and there. And some of them um, I've, I've just overlooked and think, you know, I'll do that next season or another time or it's not so important right now. So pruning, as you know, bears, helps us to bear more fruit. And God knows that. So he offers to prune us so that we might grow and flourish and bear and blossom even more and bear even more fruit in our lives. It's, you see, a sign of God's favour, his attention to the great detail of our lives. It's a sign of him blessing us, not overlooking us. So blessing is something, uh, pruning is something to be really thankful for, something to invite, because it's like inviting God's favour, God's blessing, into every intricate detail of our lives. It's a good thing. It's not something to wince for. It's a really uh, great thing to not be a shrub that's been overlooked. And I know that there's a particular shrub in my garden that's looking really quite as well. Like one, oh, it's just horrible looking. It's um, really out of shape at the moment. It's a um, variegated fuchsia. And I'm longing to get pruning on this fuchsia ready so that it's going to look stunning this summer. But I know that to get the best out of this fuchsia, I just need to wait a few more weeks, really, sort of into March, until I see signs that the sap is rising, that the buds are just beginning to emerge. And when I know that that actually things are moving in the right direction, then I can be quite tough on this um, flowering, this fuchsia because then it will be able to take the hammering that I'm longing to give it, and and it will then really look terrific. And God knows that of us too. He won't ever prune us when when the sap is not rising, when we cannot take it. He doesn't crush us or over-prune. He's very attentive to every little detail. He really, really cares and loves and longs to see us flourish and become more fruitful and more who he designed us to be. And so he won't ever crush us with the pruning. He's gentle. And so he'll be waiting for us to be at a place where that pruning um, 
Well, we're in a season, although it may be a tough season, but a season where we're heading in the right direction spiritually, where we will turn to him and draw on his life-giving spirit so that that sap is rising to bring on that new growth, that new life in the next season to come. So we can trust God. He's a good gardener. He's a darn sight better than Jenny as a gardener. So he's re- you know, we really can surrender ourselves to him in full confidence that he is good and he does know what he's doing and that he won't crush us as we invite him to prune. So that's a bit about pruning. And I just really wanted to make the point this evening that that pruning is a sign of God's favour to us. It is uh, an expression of his blessing to us. It is an act of kindness. To not prune would be to overlook or to um, just not consider us ready or worthy or whatever. But God is always ready to prune. He's he's always ready to show favour and blessing in that way. But he's a gent. And he won't just take the chainsaw. He will, usually, um, allow us to invite that pruning, allow us, invite us to surrender ourselves to be pruned, to be changed by him. And so I think this evening's challenge really is for us to consider where it is that we would like to surrender, where we are going to say, okay, God, um, we do invite you to show your blessing and your favor by reshaping me because I know that in doing so, there'll be greater blossoming and fruit to come. And we had the um, Psalm 1, which is a, one of my favorite psalms. Um, could I just... Oh, let's grab a chair. Um, psalm 1 is, is amazing. I won't talk about it a lot, but it's interesting that the book of Psalms doesn't begin with a prayer and it doesn't begin with a hymn. It begins with a picture. And this picture is a picture of contrasts, and it speaks of uh, those who submit to God, who ask God to align them with his commandments, which is a form of pruning, that for those who follow his commandments, who delight in his law, they will be like a tree transplanted and growing by living waters. Living waters, of course, in Scripture are symbolic of um, the Word of God, the living Word of God, so the Spirit bringing the Word alive. And the tree is, humans are often described as trees in Scripture, but it it is also um, uh, a sign of, symbolic of paradise or of a carrier of God's presence, like a temple-like carrier. And so people of God who choose to align themselves with his commandments, choose to allow God to prune them, to reshape them, to bring them back into godly design, are like a tree transplanted by living water. And I saw a picture a few years ago. Those of you who have been to my house will know that it's in my sitting room. And I bought it. It's it's a fairly cheap old print, but um, but I love it because it reminds me of Psalm 1. And so this is your visual aid for this evening. Um, 
This is, it just reminds me of those luscious trees that are full of um, life and vibrancy that have been planted by living waters. And so it just um, encourages me that this is God's promise for those who choose to align themselves with his commandments, with his word, that there is this flourishing and fullness of life. So um, I have that in my house. Uh, I won't talk much about it, but I just thought I'll bring the picture. (laughs) Psalm 1, of course, is a psalm of contrast. It speaks of uh, these luscious trees uh, in opposition to dried old chaff that gets blown away. Whereas these trees are deeply and securely rooted and they are flourishing and radiant. And it's contrasted with the chaff that gets blown away by the wind. That's the um, chaff, for those of you who are not agricultural, is um, when you... Um, beats the grain out of wheat um, wheat heads, the, the husk is like the tough, and, and you'll often have it on, beat the wheat on a hilltop or something so that the wind just blows away the, uh, the husks so that they are cleared out so you don't crush them in the flour. Um, so you've got that contrast, that very stark contrast, but you've then also got the contrast between the many... Uh, wicked, the many people who are taking advice from the wicked versus the few or the solitary who are um, seeking the commandments of God. So I think it's the few and the many, the advice of the sinners versus the commandments of God and these luscious trees versus the dried off chaff. So it is a psalm of contrasts and It's an enticing, encouraging one, I think, to um, encourage us to choose to align ourselves with God's word. And Jesus, of course, uh, in his uh, Sermon on the Plain, it's called, because he's he's been up in the mountain where he's chosen his disciples, and he comes down to the level place where he speaks with the crowds who have come from all over the country, And Jesus speaks with them on the level. So he's coming down to their level, to our level, with his disciples. And he speaks this sermon on the plain, uh, and he speaks of these contrasts, these blessings and woes in Luke 6. And so I think these these passages are chosen because we're following the lectionary, which is the Church of England set reading, so we're... um, tuning in with other churches, but particularly with St. Thomas's. And so those are the readings that we are working with today. And these blessings, I just want us to focus on those three blessings. If we know that uh, a shrub in my garden that has been pruned, has been shown favour, has been blessed, even though it has been made smaller then we, I hope that you'll see that these, um, those who are blessed are actually those who are or have been pruned. And so we're just going to explore those very briefly. Um, I don't know what time I started, and because I haven't written any words down, I don't know. We're okay. 
<laughs> just say stop when I stop. Um, right. So Jesus, it does sound really topsy-turvy when we first read it, doesn't it? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And Jesus, of course, came to bring good news to the poor. He is good news to the poor. And he has compassion on the poor because they tend to be people who have been overlooked by society, who are struggling in society. And so he does have a heart for the poor. But in this passage, he declares them blessed because on the greater part, people who lack money tend to know what need is. Whereas those who are wealthy don't really need for anything and so they miss out on that sense of need. And so Jesus does mean the poor socially, but also those spiritually, those who recognize that they are um, in need of God, that they are dependent on God. And so I want us to think about that in terms of pruning and how we can um, allow God, where we have a sense of self-sufficiency and a sense of um, not having a need, where we can ask God to bring pruning to that and help us to develop a sense of need, develop a sense of dependence on God. And so that can be one area that we could invite him to prune. And one area that I think uh, might feature is that as when I do things for the first time, I pray like Billio for help from God because I am in that place. I've never been there before and I really need, I know I need God's help for that. But once I've done something a few times and I've got more confidence and more skills and I kind of know what's coming, I find that I pray less. And it's a confession. I, I become um, slightly more self-sufficient on my own resources and it's good that I'm growing in confidence um, but it's not so good that I'm losing my sense of need. And so for me, I think, part of the pruning here has got to be um, that humbling, that recognizing that I do still need, even when I'm feeling more confident and skilled and capable. And so just not cutting that corner, but actually sacrificing the time. Pruning is all about sacrifice. The, The shrub in my garden has to sacrifice some of its branches when it's being pruned in order to see more growth. And as we are being pruned, it is sacrifice. We have to let go of some things, give up some things, in order that we can be shaped and bear, uh, to flourish and bear more fruit. And so for me, it may just be time and not just wing it with some, um, with the skill and confidence, but to actually go back to thinking, no, I am dependent on Almighty God. I am dependent on His Spirit and to pray as though I am dependent and that I need Him. And I think another one that I um, thought that I'd raise is about tithing. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I was at university, I was in my first year, and it was um, on the back of 
A friend of mine had died by suicide and I came face to face with my own mortality. It, was, it felt to me as though it was a life and death choice. It was a life and death situation. It was that black and white. Either I chose to give my life to Jesus or my life might get taken uh, down a very dark route. And so I did. I begged him to take my life. I'd do whatever you want. And it was like an all... Um, surrendering to Jesus and that included my very minuscule wallet at the time and my debt and my loans and my whatever because I thought if he's sovereign then he's sovereign over all and if I'm giving my life then that includes the clothes on my back and the money in my or the lack of money in my overdraft or whatever it is it was it was my all it was life and death And so even as a student, I thought, well, if I've got money coming in from a part-time job and from a loan, then God says play with 90% and and give give 10%. Now, you have to pray yourself what is right. But I'm just saying that, that that is part of being pruned. It's that sacrificing of some of what we have in order that we see flourishing and fruitfulness in our lives. When I, I'll just share a testimony that somebody shared with me. When I went back to college to train as, um, to be a curate, to be a minister, um, a friend of mine at the end of our two-year training told me this testimony. And he had, like me, he had given up his job and his um, professional um, title. He had left his home and the town that he'd come from and his friends and so forth. And as he was doing that, to go to college and to retrain, people said to him, wow, that's so courageous. That's, that's such a big step of faith. And, um, and he just said to me, Jenny, it didn't feel like that. It just felt like a really natural next step. It didn't feel like it required any faith or sacrifice. It just felt quite easy. It was just flowing very easily. But the more people commented on this big step of faith that he was taking, the more he really yearned for it to actually be a step of faith, even though he didn't feel that it was. And so um, he's a very prayerful and wise and discerning person. And, and he prayed, he's like, Lord, I really do want this to be a step of faith. It just doesn't feel like it. And so through prayer, um, he emptied his bank account, his current account and his savings account, and he just gave it away. He thought, right, clean slate, let's start afresh. I want this to be a step of faith. He said, Jenny, I confess that I kept back enough to cover the mortgage in case the tenants defaulted on one month's payment. But other than that, he's like, it can go because God is faithful. And so for two years he was not employed. The church does look after you, but it's not a wage. And he said, but here's the testimony, Jenny. At the end of these two years, he had more in his bank account than he did at the beginning of those two years. Because he invited God to prune. He surrendered and It was through prayer, so I wouldn't recommend everybody do it tomorrow morning. You've got to pray. But I do recommend you pray about it. 
in surrendering and allowing God to, um, to do what God wanted to do, there was great blossoming and fruitfulness. And he's not wanted. He didn't want or appear to be struggling financially the whole way through college. You wouldn't have known. So need is an area of being vulnerable and inviting God to bless us with um, pruning our sense of self-sufficiency and developing our sense of need by being more generous, being sacrificing more time like I need to rather than just winging it, um, whatever it is. And so we'll just... Um, Should we just pause for a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to... If there's something that the Holy Spirit in this particular area of need, blessed are those who are poor, um, then we'll just... He may not say anything, so don't worry. Uh, If something stirs on your heart, then um, just go with it. You all hear from God, so don't think that you don't. You do. So um, we'll just pause for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit. If there's anything in particular he wants to say to you on that note. So Holy Spirit, come. Thank you. Thank you that you want to bless us. Thank you that you want to show favour and attention to every detail. And you say that blessed are those who are poor. Would you show us if there's an area where you would like us to experience this blessing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You can, of course, continue that prayer in your own time and journal what you sense the Lord is saying and take it to Life Hub and discuss it there and ask for help or encouragement or other people's experience. We're in this together. We're family. So let's help one another. So Jesus says, as a whole other unlikely crowd who are blessed, he says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And this makes me giggle because in my family, uh, there's a joke that we have that um, my sister and I always get fits of giggles over this, that you know when you've had a meal and somebody offers you seconds, they very kindly offer you seconds, and an aunt taught us once that it was frightfully rude to say that you were full because that was to suggest that... um, uh, what does it suggest? That you were greedy and that, uh, that you, I don't know, something like that, that it was greed or something. And that it was frightfully rude to say that, no, thank you, you've had enough, because that was to suggest that the food wasn't any good. And so the polite response uh, was to say, thank you, I've had sufficient. Uh, just in case you need to know that etiquette for dining with the Queen. Thank you, I've had sufficient. So it's always a joke now between my, me, my sister and myself. Uh, Thank you, we've had sufficient. But of course, 
And that's not kingdom-like. That's the wrong way round in the kingdom. And in fact, Steve, you chose a song that was brilliant. I can't even, it's gone clean out of my head now. Um, but about need, or no, um, want, wanting more, Lord. How did those lyrics go? Stir something in my heart and stir. and Stir a fire in my heart. Set a fire in my heart. I want more of you, Lord, wasn't it? I want more of you, Lord. There we are. <laughs> I don't remember lyrics very well, but I remember thinking, oh, Steve's preaching my sermon. And... <laughs> And yeah, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. That we don't say to God, thank you, I've had sufficient. (laughs) But when God gives, um, offers an encounter with him or blesses us with his spirit or a gift, then say thank you. But you can pray more. Say more, Lord, because that's a way of honouring him and worshipping him. It's a way of saying, God, your gifts are good, and I want to encounter more of you. I want to see more of you. I want to get closer to you. So the good etiquette in the kingdom is not to say, thank you, I've had sufficient, but good etiquette, as it were, is to say, more, Lord, more. I'm hungry for you. I'm greedy for you. And it's blessed are those that are hungry that are yearning for more of God, they will know his blessing more and they will bear more fruit uh, through that. And so, okay, so how can that um, be, uh, where's the pruning in that? And I think it's to do with pride um, and that thank you I've had sufficient is a very proud, um, self-contained, self-sufficient answer um, you know I've, I've got all I need thank you but you can step back but actually we have to surrender and allow God to prune that pride to allow us to be hungry to stir up that hunger and that thirst again to know that we cannot be satisfied on bread alone or roast dinners or whatever but that we need we actually need the living word of God his spirit in order to live this flourishing life like these trees just so happen to be here, that they need that living water, those streams of living water, to grow and to flourish. That they're thirsty. If they don't keep drinking, the the leaves will wither and die. And so blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who allow God to prune their pride and their self-sufficiency and their self-dependency. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit again to show each of us if there's anywhere um, where we are showing that pride that is resisting the more of God. Holy Spirit, would you show us where it is in our lives that we're being self-sufficient, where it is that we are too proud to ask for your help or to ask for more of you. And we just, uh, if you want to invite him to prune, then you can do that. I won't do that for you.
Amen. Again, do continue these prayers, asking these questions of God. Sometimes prayer is um, more fruitful when we ask questions and just keep asking all sorts of why and when and how and what. And so do feel free to ask God questions. <laughs> and so the third one, I'm not going to do, I don't think I'm going to talk about the blessed are you and men hate you. I don't know, we'll see what the Spirit says. But blessed are you who weep now. Which is a pain, you know, it's probably not the wisest thing to say to somebody when they're weeping. But Jesus did come to comfort those who mourn. And he really does. I've had more than my fair share of bereavements in my life. And I can testify that in quite quirky and miraculous ways, God does comfort when we mourn and when we weep. He's really very good at it. But this is more than that, I think. Because when we mourn, we, it's, it's like the pain of lost love. It's like death is the greatest injustice in God's design. And, you know, against God's design, I mean. And so mourning is a way of expressing um, the pain at that injustice. It's, so it's an expression of love and an outpouring of um, hurt that is in agreement with God, because God did not choose for the world to be like that. And so blessed are those who cry out with God's heart, this is wrong and this hurts. But this blessing, those who are blessed here, are, it's more than those who have been bereaved. It's a weeping, it's a lamenting, And I think it's particularly evident in those people who have got that spiritual gift of mercy or that that insightfulness where they will allow God to break their heart for the other, where they will cry out for the other, where they um, will just express that pain, that they will weep for the injustice and the hurt in the world. It's not uh, blessed are those who criticize, blessed are those who moan or grumble. Those are all sort of cursing things. That's not what this says. But blessed are those whose heart is in line with God and hurt at injustice. They are blessed. And um, one of the areas that I want to grow in in my little journey is Um, to do with prophetic intercession. And there's been an area that I've just been toying with. So you weigh it up yourselves. But I I believe that um, we're moving into a season, or I'm, I'm interceding, that there will be a release of lament. We very rarely sing worship songs of lament. It's sort of a lost art in this tradition of church, really. And yet it's a really crucial tradition. It's, it's really common through the Psalms. And Jesus lamented. And, it's all, and it is lamenting, crying out for the pain and the injustice, is an act of worship. Because it's saying, God, you made the world and this is not what your design is. And God, you're the only one who can bring reconciliation and hope in this situation. And it's that person who sort of points two ways, is the lamenter. And 
And I really believe that we'll move into a season where a spirit of lament will be sort of renewed, particularly in those who are song, writing songs, leading worship, and in the arts in general. And I think there's some people in this church, I won't name them now, um, who I believe are called to, to lead on this in our church, to be the voice of lament. And it, it's, a really, it's a really godly thing, but we can very often not lament because it's really uncomfortable and it does actually hurt the lamenter. It's not, um, it's not easy. It takes time and energy to lament well. And so that's all sacrifice. But I really believe, particularly in the wake of Brexit, that we are going to need to hear the voice of lament in our country for good, that God will use this for realigning and pruning and um, bringing, releasing his blessing his favour into our church. Now, I may be wrong in discerning that, so please take it to God, and, and if he says Jenny's off the wall, then just ditch it. But that's what I'm perceiving at the moment, and I'm just praying for this stirring of lament. And so I think that's probably all. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit, would you show us where it is that perhaps we can't be bothered to weep or we just don't care enough to weep. And just show us, Lord, if there's any pruning in this area that you want to do, Lord. And I just particularly um, want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you teach us to lament? We've sort of forgotten or not, we're not very confident in our lamenting. Or we, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and, and teach us to lament? Just come, Holy Spirit. And if there's uh, someone or a few people who are called to weep, who are called to lead the weeping, called to lead the lamenting. I just pray, Lord, I bless them, and I pray, Holy Spirit, would you help them to embrace that, to not feel ashamed of it, but to recognize it for what it is, that it is a gift from you that you, uh, if, if they surrender it to you, that you will shape and that they, they will blossom and bear fruit through their lamenting. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'll just finish by saying that if you feel you are in a season of being pruned, be encouraged. God is with you. He's showing favour and blessing. And don't shun it, but just be gentle with yourself and be encouraged that God is in that. 
And if you feel that um, you're ready for God to do some more shaping, then um, yeah, do seek some well, any, seek some prayer at the end and or during this next worship set. We've got a really lovely reflective meditative uh, song to begin with that will just help us to go that little bit deeper in prayer. But there'll also be prayer available at the side. So do. Do go deeper. Um, Thank you, Steve and the band. Amen.